Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Listening to Satellite Sisters. This is our weekly recap show of Downton Abbey. We call it Downton Gabby, and we are happy to be here with you today because honestly, something finally happened in this final season, Julie. Things got underway, didn't they? It was a very exciting episode, Leanne. I loved it. I mean, and with a thrilling ending. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. So we are going to get to all that and more. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. My big sister, Julie Dolan, is in Dallas, Texas. We're two of the five Satellite Sisters. If you are new to our Satellite Sister Downton Abbey recap, welcome. We've been doing Downton Abbey for a couple of seasons. We also recap Madam Secretary and Outlander and Poldark. But then we have a regular old podcast twice a week with lots of news, information, and laughs. So for more information on Satellite Sisters, please go to SatelliteSisters.com. But today, this podcast, all Downton Abbey. And Julie, first of all, I have to start off with a correction. Because last week on Downton Abbey, I made a comment that... um, you know, the, the pig farmer and his crazy wife, well, they deserve to be crazy, crazy because this was the pig farmer that Edith had made out with in, like, 1915, you know? <laughs> Which, honestly, I think it was. And got a lovely reply from longtime Satellite Sister listener Sue, who said, Leanne, wrong pig farmer. Uh, this was Mr. Drew, and that pig farmer was Mr. Drake. Or maybe it's the opposite way around. No, I think this, the current pig farmer was Mr. Drew, right. the former uh, pig farmer that taught Edith how to drive and then made out with her while he was married was uh, Mr. Drake. And so thank you, Sue. I appreciate that. You know, Sue, the Great War, I just don't remember many <laughs> things before the Great War. Do you, Jewel? It really... It, it really, took a lot out of you, it Leanne. Did. It did. I was going to say, you know, it's a pigsty. It's it's dark. It's <laughs> muddy. It's it's hard to exactly tell. So I think what Lady Mary would say is pretty much don't all pig farmers look alike. But <laughs> I, that's not our attitude here at Down Gabby, Sue. So um, so thank you, Sue, for that. And everyone else who wrote in to say, Leanne, wrong pig farmer. But then Sue also really wanted us to tone down our rhetoric about Lady Cora, who we, you know, for several seasons now have been and wondering what's caused the stupor uh, that she's fallen into. I mean, of course, there was the grief from Sybil's death, but then she just really couldn't rally, like literally couldn't get out of bed for many, many episodes. Mm-hmm. And Sue said, you know, she really does make good decisions and she, re- she really does have helpful suggestions. So, Sue, when I watched this episode, I watched with an open mind about Lady Cora. And um, I have to say, in the beginning, she was fired up. I mean, she, Julie, she was fired up in the beginning. She right? was. She really was. She's on a mission. She uh, she was very independent, and she wanted to really make a strong decision uh, regarding that hospital. hospital and, right? and she managed to get up before the scullery maids, which that's a first. And then, but let's face it, Sue, by mid by mid episode, she needed her meds, man. Okay, she, she was, was a on mess. a jag of some kind. <laughs> 
Squeeze a jag. All right. So let's break down what happened this week on the third episode of season six. All right. Here's what happened because a lot finally happened. Let's put on a wedding. Let's edit a magazine. Let's have a baby. Let's emasculate Dr. Clarkson. I mean, (laughs) things Ah. were happening. Poor, let's just start with poor Dr. Clarkson. All right. We're not that interested in the hospital storyline, and it seems to be getting increasingly snipey, like almost unpleasant. Yeah. I mean, mean, now they don't even want to meet in the same room. They cannot even be civil with each other. So they they certainly don't want to take tea together. They don't want to dine together. And it does seem like, you know, a battle of the wills. That, you know, that there's going to be a clear defeat, Liam. It's not like they're going to reach a compromise. No, it's the battle of the battle axes, really, because yes. it's Isabel versus the Dowager Counter. But now Isabel Countess. has drawn, Countess, excuse me, Countess. <laughs> I've been working on remodeling my kitchen. Can you tell? The Dowager Countess. So it's Isabel on one side with Cora and what, whoever that other lord is. What's <laughs> Her name? husband. I don't know. Just, okay. I forget. You know, but he's there. He's just seems shocked by his by his wife's uh, responses to everything. And then on the other side is the Dowager Countess and old school Dr. Clarkson. Clarkson. And this week, let's face it, Isabel just took it to the jugular with him. Just totally stripped him of his masculinity, frankly, with a few of her comments on how old school he is. So well, I was shocked, Leon, because as you recall, they shared Dr. Clarkson and Isabel shared this passion for healthcare and maybe a passion for other things. Yeah. Seasons. And that, you know, that they were kindred spirits, uh, and they worked side by side. And she just took them down she she just i she is burning bridges and that that that's you're right that's what you know she is leaving him in the dust she is she is uh, she's setting her sights on much higher and loftier goal goals and she's going to step on people <laughs> dr clarkson is going down i did not think he deserved it either i think he served that community well he's not always the most forward thinking and he pretty much killed sybil but other than that <laughs> i think that's right yeah he did Oops. kill sybil yeah so. My favorite character. Uh, so, but other than that, he's not an awful man. And uh, I even felt it like a, a twinge of, you know, empathy for the Dowager Countess. She's usually so invincible and she seemed to be vulnerable this week. She seemed to think like this is the end of her world. I know. I know. But she got off a few good lines and that's, that's what we're there for. So that let's emasculate Dr. Clarkson check. A lot of actions there. Okay. How about let's edit a magazine? How fantastic was this episode for Edith? I, I know Edith has really come into her own and I love how she just refers it to, she, it is her magazine. Uh, of course she, she got it from that boyfriend of hers, but it's her magazine and she runs it uh, by the phone uh, at Downton Abbey, right? And just yells into the phone and acts uh, exasperated and then has to go up uh, to London from time to time, right? And this week she had to go up to London because she was once again at odds with her, you know, bumbling idiot editor who hates women. And so she finally did the deed, which she should have done last week, but she did it this week. She fired his ass, Julie. Leon, <laughs> this is Gabby. <laughs> but she did it. 
<laughs> I liked it, man. Come on, Edith in the blue dress. I've been waiting for this moment for, for her to assert herself, you know, since 1912, since this whole thing started. So, and then, but she had to put the magazine out. And here's the ticking clock. Oh my gosh, they need to get it to the printers by 4 a.m. But lo and behold, earlier in the day, she had run into Birdie. I love that. I love when British people are named Birdie. <laughs> Bird is good looking. He yeah. seems like a reasonable character. Yeah. And they were going to meet for drinks. Okay? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but she's got to do the paper and she, uh, a par- uh, magazine. And apparently she just knows how to lay out a magazine, which surprised me. Uh, yeah, she can do it. Right. She can do it. It's just like a big Pinterest board, Julie. Anyone can do it. And so she goes to tell Birdie that she can't have a drink. And Birdie is all in. Right. He oh, He's yeah. with he her. Just- he just rolls up his sleeves and, uh, and he, you know, comes and, and they work side by side, Leon. Guess what? They're, they're sharing their passion to get this mission accomplished as well as the secretary. She's working hard too. Yeah. She's- she'll be promoted. I'm pretty sure next week she'll be the sexy single girl editor, but it's okay. Cause Bertie and Edith and the secretary, they're eating sandwiches. They're drinking coffee, like coffee, coffee, co- more coffee at 4 a.m. Can well, I- this was, this did, did surprise me. <laughs> there was one, no, one, one thing I jotted down in my notes. That he, at 3.40 a.m., Edith asks for more coffee from the secretary, okay, who's been up all night putting together this magazine. And she shows up with the, with the coffee, and it's in the China Democrats cups, perfectly served. That secretary did quite a good job there. That's I know. What, and they yeah. all still look beautiful in their beautiful clothes and their yeah. hair's all done. And they're still shockingly wearing shoes with heels. I don't, I don't know. I couldn't have done that. Uh, but it was a fantastically exciting experience to watch Edith and Bertie and the secretary and the whole team put together that magazine. And then the best moment was when she went back to Downton to recount it all. Yes. Mary's... <laughs> Mary was a sourpuss, Liam. <laughs> she was jelly. Yeah. She was quite the sourpuss. Yes. She was. She, she did not want to look at that magazine. And Lord Grantham was so proud of Edith and the work that she had done. And let's, I mean, this is good. I mean, Edith has been moping and yeah. around for. You know, season after season. Season after season. And she almost married that horrendously old man. And she, at least she didn't do that. And now she's got a magazine and she has a fake daughter and a secret baby. And now she has Bertie, apparently. And she has a flat too, a flat (laughs) in London. Oh, it was a top-notch episode for Edith. And, And it's about time. Like one of them had to bust out and it was Edith. All right. Other things happening. Let's have a baby. Okay. We learned maybe too much that Mr. Bates is a baby maker, basically. Oh, I, it was cringeworthy for me, Leanne. I have to say the thought of Mr. Bates and Anna together. Oh, I, I just, I know, but I'm so happy for Anna. That yes. She is pregnant again. Okay. Early on. Okay. So, and she's, she's too nervous to be hopeful, but Mary is over the moon about yeah. this news. Yes. Yeah. It is, it is funny. It, I, I know this is, I know they're both actresses and they're supposed to act like friends, but it does give you the sense that maybe those two actresses are really friends in real life. The way, you know, now this season, they're saying all kinds of things to each other that they would never have said, you know, back in the day. Oh, making jokes about how that guy died in Mary's bed. Ha ha. Remember that? That was funny. <laughs> I know. I mean, Mary made that crack. Like, well, at least we know it's not Mr. Bates's fault. Right? <laughs> Okay, please. I can't. Oh, <laughs> so so 
Fingers crossed for that. They have to go up to London. There has to be some mystery procedure, which, of course, they're not going to tell Mr. Bates about. Um, And uh, but hopefully that will end well for them. All right. And then the big story, though, of course, of this episode was the wedding between Mrs. Hughes and Mr. Carson. And we saw we've seen over the last two episodes that the family uh, with good intentions, uh, but just completely, you know, zero like empathy for Mrs. Hughes is been basically browbeating Carson into having a very posh reception at their house. And Mrs. Hughes wants to go to the schoolhouse. She doesn't want to be a servant for the day, but she cannot seem to convince Carson. So she steps up and she, Mrs. Patmore wins Satellite Sister of the Week, right? Because (laughs) Mrs. Patmore explained all of this, doors opened up and all of a sudden Lady Cora Okay, she seems to be awake this show. She seems to have gotten the addictions under control. She's Mm -hmm. fully dressed and out of bed. She wants to hear from Mrs. Hughes. Does she really want to um, does she really want to have the wedding at Downton? And the answer is no. Right, Julie? She pretty much lets the family have it. Don't you think? That was a very dramatic scene. Yeah. She calls Mrs. Hughes to the drawing room after dinner uh, where the whole family is there. And she point blank asks Mrs. Hughes, you know, does she want to have the wedding at, uh, at, at Downton Abbey? And Mrs. Hughes tells her that was the other thing that Mrs. Hughes had enough backbone and courage and just sort of sense of self that she felt that she needed to share that. And Mary left Mary gobsmacked, right. no, no doubt. And Lord Grantham, I mean, I think he was very confused by it all. So um, it was it was quite a scene. Yeah. And there were some words exchanged back and forth between Mary and her mother about who was more of a snob. And I think it's obvious Mary is. But (laughs) I don't think you can out snob Mary. No. But I mean, who I mean, we know so many brides, right, that have just their wedding gets out of control. It blows up. And next thing you know, you're getting married in the Great Hall at Downton Abbey. And you that's not what you wanted. Right. And you're just standing around eating, eating posh little hors d'oeuvres. And that's not what she wanted. She wanted a great big old wedding breakfast. And that looked fantastic, didn't it? When it It looked it looked delicious. Yes. She wanted a proper meal. She wanted dancing. And then I couldn't really make out the word and I listened twice, but I think it was something like moonshine. She wanted to have moonshine (laughs) at her wedding reception, right? Yeah. And certainly the dancing and the moonshine and the big, uh, the big sit down meal was not what you would do uh, in the great hall. Yeah. Well, as Mary said, nobody sits down for a wedding breakfast anymore. And Mrs. Hughes said, well, many people still do. (laughs) (laughs) Two worlds there, two <laughs> separate worlds. Yeah. So, but the best subplot of the night was uh, so the say yes to the dress subplot because <laughs> Mrs. Hughes has picked out now a horrific like day dress that was drabber than drab. So, I, I mean, and she's been looking so poorly in the first two episodes. Yes. You know, she's been so pale with the stress of of planning this wedding and trying to decide where to have it. And there she, she just wants to wear that, you know, that old brown dress that Mary says she'll throw in a brooch to, uh, <laughs> to, to spice it up. But that's not going to do anything. Like it. I no. thought maybe if Mary had only a brooch, I was like, nice work, Mary. You didn't like give any of those beautiful necklaces. Yeah, a fur collar or, or something. Or, no, or like some of your dangling earrings, just 
Just a brooch. Okay. So, but enter Satellite Sister of the Week, Mrs. Patmore. You know, first she straightens things up with Lady Cora about the wedding, and now she has a catalog. She's she has a dress catalog, and she said there were lovely dresses. And of course, Mrs. Hughes is like, I know what a catalog is. <laughs> that was good. You can order your dress on the internet, Leanne. <laughs> So, but Mrs. Patmore just goes ahead and orders her a dress. But when it arrives, it's a disappointment, as things are in catalog yes, shopping. This yes. may be the first documented case in 1925 of how disappointing things are when they arrive at your house versus what they look like in the catalog. Rachel? Yes. <laughs> So it's not new, ladies. It's not new. Um, so it's a very, it's a dull dress. And so a plan is hatched that, um, oh, you know, maybe mummy can can loan her an evening coat. Wouldn't that be nice? That's what Lady Mary offers because she's too tall and she's too skinny and she's too this and she's too that. But, you know, her mother has a lot of clothes. So, oh, that all sounds lovely. And then, boom, Lady Cora comes back. And because she's actually had to leave the house, converse with other people, and possibly make a decision, she has a splitting headache, doesn't she, Jill? Uh, yes. Yes, she does. She did more in that one day than she's done in several seasons. <laughs> and it, it took Ooh. its toll. Like, yeah. she couldn't even sit down and have a cup of tea or put out a full sentence. She had to go. And, and Mary didn't have any she time. She was in a rage, Lena. Yeah. She- she came in. She was in a It was rage. ghastly. It was a ghastly day. It was ghastly uh, because people were speaking, uh, you know, to each other. And she was in the room. So she went marching upstairs to her bedroom. And there she she comes upon, she kind of catches Mrs. Hughes, Anna, and Mrs. Patmore going through her evening coats. And she just tears them down doesn't oh, she oh i mean that was such a scene when she opened the door i believe sheila got caught once while trying on our mom's clothes right <laughs> i think we had a scene like that at our house in connecticut at I mean, one point there was no there was not not one nice moments there was there was nothing warm or friendly it was just a clear scene of class distinction and what are you doing and these three women who've worked for her for 30 years we find out mrs hughes has been there they were not afforded one second of empathy were they by lady court i mean uh, you know they had to slink out of the room they just they were they were caught they were made to feel guilty i mean it was they were bewildered i mean it was a terrible scene because they had received permission from mary to go try on coats and they were up there you know just trying to you know have a little bridal time say yes to the dress yeah they were just having a little bit of fun there you know as mrs hughes deserved and lady cora off her meds, uh, she just couldn't, <laughs> she couldn't handle it. No, she couldn't. <laughs> but, but in the end, she turns, she turns it around. Mary, Mary talks to her, explains what happened, explains her offer. And Lady Cora does come downstairs, humbles herself, and gives Mrs. Hughes a spectacular velvet evening coat to oh, really punch great. up the dress, really... The the coat was beautiful and the the gesture was beautiful because that really took a lot because Lady Cora did not have to do that or, you know, and, and to go, you know, go downstairs, belittle herself, apologize. 
I was like, that was a lot, Land. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a nice moment, but Mrs. Hughes deserved it after 30 years of service, for goodness sakes. So at the end, we see the wedding is happening. It's in the schoolhouse. The wedding breakfast is is beautiful. You know, we have a great scene in the church when oh. they're saying their vows and everybody. Do you see those bouquets? Oh. I counted six of those giant bouquets of flowers. They were They were spectacular. And every, the family was in the front row. They all looked beautiful. All the clothes on the women in that particular case looked beautiful. Uh, There was a very, you know, Carson gives his wedding vow. It's very charming. And then at the reception, he starts in with a wonderful toast for Mrs. Hughes. It's emotional. Did you tear up a little bit? Yes, I did, Leanne. And I just thought if you ever wanted to know how to make a toast to a bride, just say what Mr. Carson said, you know? Maybe you could fake the, uh, the British accent and do it. But it was just... Perfect and lovely and loving. Um, and it was beautiful because you do like them and you wanted them to get together. And But did you notice how radiant she was? All of a sudden, yes. you know, she had a color back on her face and she, you know, she, she never looked more beautiful than she did coming out of the church uh, after her wedding. I think that is going to be a hipster wedding dress trend. The... <laughs> The silk, the plain silk dress underneath and the velvet dress over and the hat. That was a stunning wedding outfit. That looked beautiful, beautiful, subtle colors on her. Yes, that would be a very nice thing. It makes me want to get married again. Makes me want to get married again. I thought it would be perfect for for your second wedding. Yeah. I mean, I'm currently married, but, uh, you know. I just just want to renew your vows, you know, or something. Okay. And then the best moment of the show, because we have missed him Tom returns to Downton Abbey. Oh, Julie, wasn't that great? It was like a dream come true, Leanne. He came through the door. He was smiling. He had like baby Sybil there, who's now sort of a cute little girl. I mean, I think his reasons for coming back to Downton Abbey seem a little, a little, yeah. a little sketchy. But but who cares? It's Tom. He's yeah. back. Because that poor drawing room was looking just so maudlin with the four of them there, you know, Mary and Edith barely speaking and Cora out of it and, and Lord Grantham, change, change. He has indigestion now. So that's, that's a worrying sign. Oh, that is a worrying sign. Yeah. Or, or as, um, as they said on a recent Portlandia episode, early onset grumpiness. (laughs) (laughs) what Lord Grantham has. So yeah, that was, there was a little momentary touch of something that was worrisome, but nothing to worry about because Tom is back. Tom, Tom is back. And you know, we just, we need Tom. Tom, he's again, along with Sybil, been one of my favorite characters. So I'm so happy to have him back and he looked great. Didn't he? He did. He did. So I can't wait for next week's episode, Liam. It's going to be great. Yeah. Well, now that things are happening, now that we've reset the show, reset the season, you know, oh, themes are developing. But this week we had a lot of action and that was what the last couple of episodes were missing. Now we did have some freakish subplots, I thought, this week. (laughs) (laughs) I just... I Okay, first let's go with Spratt and Danka, the Dowager Countess's servants, and their sort of backstairs war. Yes. I, mean, I, I know that's like a Shakespearean trope where you have the two funny people and this and that, but I have to say, it got a little tedious, I thought. <laughs> I wasn't so sure about that one. Yeah, you really don't care. You're not really rooting for either one of them. No, that's no. What I, that's what I think. I yeah. mean, I think a touch of them in each episode is funny, but... There was uh, quite a concentration this week. Also, we have the Daisy 
trying to save her father-in-law, who's now moving into the pig farm. Possibly, I don't know, Cora doesn't know. And then Mosley trying to help her study for her, like, basically her GEDs. So that's a very sweet storyline. I like Daisy. I'm sympathetic to her. So uh, I don't mind that subplot. But that was that was also happening this week. Yeah, I think Daisy, you know, she she's so enthusiastic. She's getting ahead of herself in terms of whether or not her father-in-law is really going to be able to go to the farm. So I see that we might have some disappointment on the horizon there, Leon. Right. And as for Mosley, you know, uh, sort of taking Daisy under his wing and acting as a tutor and helping her get ready. I think that's okay. I think. Well, I I think there was that thing at the end too, where he was mentioning it to someone and they were very interested. I think Daisy will graduate from the kitchen station. Don't you think at the end of the show? Yeah. Yeah. And then we had um, Thomas who goes to visit the ghost of Downton's future or Grey Gardens or whatever. (laughs) I know that was terrible, but I did make note, Leanne, I'm going to get myself a bearskin tablecloth. (laughs) (laughs) That will look nice at Thanksgiving, don't you think? You see that giant bearskin on on the grand table in the grand front hall? I don't, I actually thought he might jump at that chance because he thought he could exploit that situation. Like the, I thought, oh, that's, that is going to become some kind of weird, creepy Grey Gardens relationship with this gentleman. Oh. But, but no, Thomas was out of there. He doesn't, he wants to work, but he does, there's certain things he will not, he will not do. He will not See, lower himself. See, this is himself. the thing. Thomas, Thomas is not modernizing. He is not moving with the future. He has a very, you know, sort of prescribed and limited view of himself and his role as a butler and what he's going to do and not do. And he, you know, and it's going to hold him back, Leon. So, all right, we'll see, we'll see, Julie. But really, the moment for me was when Tom returned. That really perked the whole thing up. I did like Bertie. And when are we going to get to see a love interest for Lady Mary? I mean, come on, TikTok writers. When, when, when is Matthew Good returning in that race car? I, I mean, mean, because Mary has never looked better than this season in the in the dresses and the jewelry, the hats, the earrings. It's all working. The giant gloves. So she's ready, she, uh, she, and uh, I think she, she she definitely needs a new love interest. You don't think anything's going to happen with her and Tom, do you? Oh. Oh. Huh. Hmm. Okay. Tom's a little short for her. I That's- think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Well, uh, anything else, Julie? Anything else you wanted to mention? No, other than it's just, it makes me, I get sort of wistful at the beginning and at the end of these episodes because I know, you know, they're limited, you know, and I, I just have enjoyed this, um, this show so much. And it's, and it's, you know, it just is a, it's a wonderful thing to watch Sunday evening or whenever you watch it, when you hear that theme song, when you hear the bells ringing, see the dog running up the, the giant lawn. So, um, so it's a little bit bittersweet. Okay. Okay. And on that downer note. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Okay. Well, do you have anything else? To say? No, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> but I am going to enjoy Tom now that he's back on yeah. the scene. Okay. okay. That's our plan. That is our plan. We are the Satellite Sisters. You can always find us at SatelliteSisters.com. That's SatelliteSisters.com. Join us on Facebook. We have a Facebook group that's open to people. You just have to, you know, apply or whatever, say you want to join. And then we just look at you to make sure you're a real person. And then we approve you. It's pretty easy. And there's a lot of doubt and discussion on our Facebook group. You can have at it there. Also check out our other Madam Secretary podcast. 
podcast that we're doing and our regular Satellite Sister show. Julie, I have to say I loved the show that you, Liz, and Monica did this weekend. That covered everything. That was like the best of Satellite Sisters. It was world events. It was movies. You went to the Pulpwood Queen's Girlfriend's Weekend. You do a full review of what it was like to go to that fantastic book event. Uh, There's Netflix discussions. Everything in that show. Fantastic show this weekend. Well, thanks, Leanne. Soup to nuts. Soup to (laughs) nuts. And there you have it. All right. We're the Satellite Sisters. And don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.